I, uh, I get involved in some contexts at times where we have to ask the difficult question about a church. Is its past going to be greater than its future? It's, a, it's, a difficult, it's an uncomfortable question. And sometimes for various reasons, uh, that's what confronts some churches. They've had a great history, but they're not so sure about the future. And the reality is, friends, that we're all here tonight, even if you're here for the first time, um, you're here in the sense of, of something of the past, but we forever want to be a people that look into the future and, uh, and believe that God's got something for us going forward. And uh, in Arena Mansfield, we've, we've been on this great journey now for just over three years. To some degree, we're just starting. And we're looking forever forward into what God is doing. And uh, even in the small group on <clears throat> Thursday, we were just remarking again, it came out in the conversation, that even the building, uh, there's a generational thought behind this. That, it, that it'll, it'll be able to sow into this town and into this area, not just for this generation, but for the next and the one after that. And people will rise up through this church that will serve God with a passion and bless his name. And that's a good place to be. So we're going to share just from the word of God for a little time tonight. And um, you'll notice that, uh, thanks Dave for sorting the, the boiler out, by the way. Because um, it, it's warm in here tonight. Yeah. And... Um, <clears throat> And it's been a bit cool over the last um, sort of few weeks, so thanks for your patience. I don't know what the, what was the answer? What was it? Okay. There you go, the pump and the fan. <laughs> Sorry I couldn't give you any help with that, you know. <laughs> but it is beautifully warm. And, uh, and I just sense as well we're really building something in this room, aren't we? It is only a room. It is only a building. But we want God's presence to fill this place. Be a place of healing, of restoration, of people being able to come to God, where they'll sense that God's love is chasing them. And thank, thank the band for signing into today so well as well. We appreciate it. And I want to take you, if you've got a Bible this, morning, uh, this, after, uh, this evening even. <clears throat> it has been a long day, you know. But I'm pumped for the next 25 minutes, so I hope you are. Uh, but this evening, Acts chapter 20 just want to go to Acts chapter 20, and we're going to continue with this. That really is going to throw me, but, but uh, we're going to continue with this series called Take Heed. It's an old-fashioned word, and I'll just explain it again in a moment. And I suppose I've deliberately used it just to sort of grab our attention. But take heed, and we began last week by reminding ourselves that uh, we need to take heed to the Word of God. And taking heed is, um, is a word that is often used, it's a little phrase that's often used in the, in the King James Version of the Bible, which is not often used in churches nowadays. <clears throat> and um, it's, it speaks of taking note, of being attentive, of observing and regarding. You may say, well, why don't you use that word? Because I wanted to use that one. And uh, so, but take heed. So it's, it's that whole sense of taking note, of being attentive, of of. of observing what God wants to do in our lives, of regarding it deeply into our hearts. And you know, time and time again in the Bible, God calls people to attention, not literally standing to attention, but he's calling people to take hold of him. Paul stood up last Sunday night and prayed, and he reminded us of one word that prophetically was just sharing in his spirit, listen. It was a call to attention. It was a call to hear what God was saying. I'm just reading Jeremiah at the moment. And I mean, what a, you know, what a ministry this man had. He was forever calling people to attention, to take heed. Sadly, they really didn't listen. And eventually, God had to bring a judgment on them. 
because of their deliberate uh, disregard for his purposes and his plans. And it's just an amazingly faithful call that Jeremiah gave himself to. And we, we've used this because what we want to do over the next just few Sunday nights is to just remind us afresh of some of the things that really are at the heart of our journey in Arena Mansfield. We, we've declared again the good news of Jesus. We've spoken out the kingdom of God as people prophetically encourage us to do that over the last few months. And just in these weeks, we're just going to remind ourselves afresh of some of the things that just really sit close to our journey. So last week it was taking heed to the word of God and reminding ourselves that the word of God is amazing, that it's incredible, that it sows so much into our lives in so many amazing ways. We remind ourselves of the claims that it makes. It's God's breathed word. We remind ourselves of the foundation of it gives, how it helps us to grow, of the salvation, the rescue plan that it declares. We're reminding ourselves of the impact that it makes deep in our hearts, of the wise ways of God, the wisdom that it shares, and that it endures forever. And I'm very conscious, and you've heard me mention this several times, that we live in a rapidly changing culture, very demanding, very challenging. And for Christian people in 21st century Great Britain, a very demanding society, challenging society that we live in, very complex for all sorts of reasons. But we need, as a Christian church, Christian young people, all the people, people that have been Christians a few weeks, a few months, and people here tonight that have been Christians 30, 40, 50 years, to renew our confidence in God's word because it will endure forever. It's got a relevant, now, prophetic word to speak. We need to, uh, we need to shape that. We need to communicate it in a way that is effective. But we don't need to be embarrassed about the now word of God. It endures forever. So taking heed to the word, that is a value. That is something that, by God's grace, we will never stray from in Arena Mansfield. You won't get people standing up at this lectern saying, we don't believe in the Bible anymore. It's not going to happen. And if anybody ever does, then Paul, get, sort them out quickly and drag them down. But, uh, but um, because it's a value. It's a value of what we believe. And tonight, in Acts chapter 20, I want to just uh, read a verse or two. <clears throat> verse 28. And I'll, I'll try and give a little bit of context to this tremendous passage in a moment. But Paul says, keep watch over yourselves. And in the King James Version, guess what it says? Take heed. Take heed to yourselves and the flock of which God has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. And Paul begins to talk to the overseers of the church. There's a wider application, of course, that he's leaving them. They would never see him again on this earth. And both parties were aware of that. And he says to them that when I leave you, there's going to be people that would come to the church. These were the leaders of the church in Ephesus. There's a book in the New Testament written about the Ephesian church. And he said there's going to be people that are going to come and they're going to act like wolves. They're going to try and tear the church apart. But he says, I want you to be the overseers of the church. I want you to care for the church. But notice, in caring for the church, you've got to take heed to yourselves. I want us to think about that for a moment or two. tonight, then in all that we're going to do in the journey of reaching out to others, we must never forget to take attention to our own journey. And the band of letters tonight, in that whole sense of us wanting to know Jesus more and more and more. 
Acts 20 is an amazing chapter. It's one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. Because Paul, on his journeys around, meets the the elders, the overseers of the church at Ephesus. He meets them in an island called Miletus. And he's on his way to Jerusalem. And of course, from Jerusalem, he becomes bound and he eventually goes to Rome. Uh, He'd been a father to this church. He'd help establish it. He wrote a book to them. Uh, they were a great church, in, in, a church that had risen up out of a, a lot of idolatry. In, in the city of Ephesus in ancient times was a huge temple to the goddess Diana or Artemis. Lots of terrible things used to take place there. Uh, but to that backdrop, a church emerged. The kingdom of God advanced. Amazing things took place. A great move of God. And now Paul meets the people that are leading that church. He says, it's the last time on earth I'm going to see you. And uh, he does two or three things. He reflects on the past. It's sometimes good to reflect on the past, how God good has been. He projects into the future. He, he, he sort of shares a little bit of what's going to take place. But then he injects into the now, which is this very word. He calls them again afresh to care well for the flock. And he starts it off by asking them to do that by looking after themselves. And what I'm talking about taking heed to ourselves I'm not talking about forever navel-gazing or bringing condemnation on ourselves. I'm not even talking about us being perfect because we're still all on that journey. And, but I'm talking about the fact that we continually allow God to reach down and touch our lives and to shape us into what he has called us to be. You see, God's not just called us to believism. He's called us to be disciples, devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we do that best when we continually give our lives over to him. It's the trendy term for it now, particularly out of North America, is spiritual formation. But it, what it means is simply that Jesus is forever formed within us. It's an ongoing process towards Christ-likeness. That is a disciple. And sadly, friends, many Christians become believers and then put a lid on their life. They don't really go too much further. They don't take heed to some of the things that God wants to address in their life. And it forever stunts their potential and their growth in God's. It actually, friends, I believe, stops the church being as missional as what God wants it to be. Because mission works best from strength. And again, we're not waiting for the church to be perfect before we mission the world, be that on the doorstep of our church in Mansfield, or to the outer reaches of the world, But we're saying that as God continually works in us and we give ourselves over to that, and there's a continual change in life about us, some of that speaks powerfully to people that need Jesus in their lives too. In the Song of Solomon, chapter 1 and verse 6, again in the King James, it says this about the writer. He He says, They made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyards... I have neglected. They've made me the keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have neglected. <clears throat> you know, sadly times, friends, and it's horrible when it happens, but you'll get a high-profile ministry. Can you remember numbers of years ago in the 80s, we had two or three high-profile TV evangelists that all seemed to get it wrong at the same time. And, um, <clears throat> you know, there, there was many sort of comments about that, and some of them were running multi-million dollar empires. Maybe that was part of the problem. But, you know, one of the hindsight reflections of those sorts of problems was that people were looking after other people's vineyards, but their own 
they neglected. In other words, they got so busy reaching out to everybody else, they forgot to take heed to themselves. And in some cases, it was with catastrophic consequences. Psalm 139 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart, and see if there's any offensive way in me. Test me and try my thoughts, and lead me in the way everlasting. Peterson in the message puts it this way. He says, investigate my life, O Lord. Find out everything about me. Cross-examine and test me. And get a clear picture of what I'm about. See for yourselves whether I've done anything wrong. Then guide me on the road to eternal life. It's a wonderful prayer, friends, when we can say to God, Lord, please look deep in our hearts and then take us forward in what you have got for us. And you know that the passion of this church, and this will roll out in the next few weeks, is to be outward facing. It really is. Uh, you know, Christian, as you know, is on holiday, but if we went a few weeks with pulling away from that, it'd soon bring us back. It's an outward facing church. The reason that we've done this is to be outward facing, for it to be a center, a core, uh, something that, for a hub that increasingly reaches out. And that will continually gather momentum as God raises up people that will commit to that. And that's all fantastic. But never at the expense of God continually doing something in us. Take heed to yourself. You know, I I have the privilege of carrying a responsibility of sowing into other people's lives, of bringing some lead to other people. I'm very conscious that in all of that, I need to take heed of myself. So I want to ask you very quickly, very briefly, seven questions with regard to taking heed to yourself. Firstly, am I responding? Am I responding? The Bible says that without faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, it's impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is a firm conviction in the Lord. The Bible says that faith is sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It can't be sort of put into a frame. It can't be uh, uh, have a price put to it, but it's something that comes deep within our heart. By grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. And uh, when faith begins to birth in our hearts, things begin to happen. See, faith distinguishes us. Not because it makes us weird, but it sets us apart from people that haven't got faith. Faith also begins to extinguish things in our lives. Maybe you're full of fear. Maybe you still have some issues with fear. Maybe you're always worried about the future. How things are going to work out. What's this? What's that going to matter? Maybe sometimes you get a bit pumped about your kids. Maybe, maybe there, are, there are things in your life at times that come to you that would try and put a stop to what God wants to do. And as we let faith continually emerge, it begins to douse those things. It begins to put a dampener on them. It begins to extinguish them. We begin to move forward in God. And faith relinquishes. We sang tonight that spirit, that we'd, we'd, we'd have a trust in God that was without borders. We're in good company because I don't know anybody who follows Dave Smith from King, Dr. Dave Smith from Kingsgate on uh, Twitter, but uh, they sung this this morning. He took a picture of the words across the screen and uh, put it on So we're in good company. We're singing with another great church today. But that God would lead us and that we would trust him without borders. Now, I've always enjoyed sport, but one of the things I've never been good at is swimming. 
No, never got it. Just never got And I always get very envious of people that sort of dive into the pool and they just swim like fish. You know, I'm trying to do sort of like a front crawler width ways and... And I seem to sink like a stone. I'd like to be a good swimmer, but it just never happens. It just never happened. And, um, and I nearly sort of got in difficulties many years ago, sort of went on holiday with some young people off the Cornish coast, and somebody had to sort of literally fish me out. I don't think that helped my passion for swimming. But, um, but you know, if, if you like me a little bit, you like to keep your feet on the ground. So I used to love to take our kids swimming. They became a lot better than me very quickly. But when we first used to go, you know, we'd go in the kids' pool. And it seemed really, I was fine there. And then they used to go swim with school, and all of a sudden they're going in the deep end and jumping straight in and saying, come on, Dad. No, I'll just watch, thanks. You know, because <clears throat> I didn't really like the deep end. But it got me thinking, you know, that's how some of us are as Christians. We, we love God, but we forever want to keep our feet on the, on the, on the floor. But, but faith relinquishes. Faith takes us into those deeper waters. Faith says, I'll trust you. Faith says, God, I, I may be a bit nervous about what you're asking me to do, but I, I believe in you. I believe that you'll care for me. I believe that you'll always be with me. And I encourage us tonight, friends, not to be believers as we take heed to ourselves that are never responding. But we're allowing God to take us to places that we've never been before. That's where we want to go as a church, to places we've never been before. Briefly, am I changing? Because 2 Corinthians 3 and verse 18 says that we're being being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. That word transform there or transformation is where we get our word from the uh, Greek uh, language metamorphosis. Some of you have done about metamorphosis at school, you know, the bug becoming the butterfly. There's a process and it's called metamorphosis. And do you know that's what's taking place in our hearts? We become Christians, if you like, in a crisis. I use that word in the sense of making a decision. It may be that that decision took time for you. It may be that you came into church and boom, you made a decision and it all changed. But the reality is there there is forever a process taking place in us. Am I changing? Here's a question. You know, are some of the things that maybe were an issue in my life two years ago still an issue? Am I changing? Am I moving more towards Jesus or moving further away from him? And God wants his friends to come to a place of birthing, becoming a Christian, growing, changing, and maturing. A disciple is one that's committed continually towards a journey of being like Jesus. And may he help us. You see, God wants continually to pour into our lives. And it really isn't good enough for us sometimes, numbers of years into the journey, to behave in ways that don't reflect Jesus and say, well, that's just me. You know, you just have to put up with it. That's just me. You know, I'm always losing my temper. That's just me. You know, I'm always going off on one. That's just me. No, God wants to change you. God wants to change you. God wants you to be different. God, God doesn't want you to be forever forgiven. confessing your failures by saying that's just me he wants you to bring to a place of victory he wants to change us and we're all on the process of being changed friends I might look at somebody and say they need to change in that area they're probably looking back at me and saying and he needs to change in that area we're all on a journey but the question that we need to answer tonight as we take heed to ourselves is am I changing 
Am I changing? Am I obeying? James chapter 1 verses 21 to 25 says, don't just hear the word, but do what it says. Put it into action. Be teachable. Be teachable. John says that this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome or onerous. You know, if we're coming to church and God's speaking to our hearts and saying, I suppose I better do it. That's not the love of God. The love of God is that God's spoken to me. He's deeply challenged my heart. I want to implement what he's saying. Am I obeying? Am I advancing? Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6 says, Be strong and courageous. And he told them that because they were facing a flood water. And it seemed impossible to get to where God had called them to, which was the promised land. But he says, be strong and courageous, because I've called you to advance. Am I advancing? Am I going forward in what God's called me to? Am I taking ground in my life? These are questions that we need to let God speak into us. Am I moving forward in my promised land experience? Am I seeing something beyond where I am now in my journey where God wants to take me to? And it may seem impossible to get there, but God says, go forward. Be strong and courageous, and I will lead you. Am I listening? Fifthly. And I mentioned this in another context this morning. It was interesting, as I've already mentioned, Paul encouraged us last week to listen. And at the end of Revelation chapter 3, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. And I know that Revelation 3.20 has been a gospel verse that's spoken. Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone that lets me come in, I will sit with him and he with me. And God's used that verse. But the reality is, if you drive it right down to its immediate context, he was trying to get back into the church. They'd locked him out. They'd stop listening. I was talking to somebody yesterday. And we were talking about why the demise of certain churches takes place. We weren't doing it in any uh, inappropriate way. We weren't trying to score points. We weren't drawing any in a particular denomination. We realize it's a challenge to anybody. But here's the truth, friends. One of my observations is that the demise of a church doesn't take place overnight. It really doesn't. But what happens is that churches stop listening to God. And what they do, almost sometimes without realizing, is they bolt the doors to the Spirit of God being able to speak to the church. And sometimes it's happened five years ago, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. I remember leading a joint prayer meeting some years ago, and a, 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 a wonderfully faithful, born-again brother came to me afterwards from another denomination. He was in tears. He said, I wish we could have a prayer meeting like that in our church. He says, Robert... With respect, the problem was that 15, 20 years ago, you made a decision to do the exact opposite. And you pushed back on what God wanted to do. And friends, we must forever take heed to ourselves that we're never in regression going backwards, but always in progression going forwards. And so when we pray, we're doing it for a reason. When we own up the Bible, we're doing it for a reason. When we reach out to the community, we're doing it for a reason. We're trying to keep open to God. One of the reasons we've run the encounter nights is to try and give room for the Spirit of God to speak to us. Not to bolt the doors to Him, but to say, you're welcome. You're open to all that we've got to say. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Don't shut Him out. Don't push back on Him. But have a wide open door in your heart that says, God, 
You can say to me whatever you want to say. And I'm going to listen to it. Six, am I serving? And I'll move straight on from this because we're going to spend a night on it in two or three weeks' time. Because it's a value of our house. But Jesus says in Mark's gospel, whoever wants to be great must be a servant. Whoever wants to be great must be a servant. You know, I I said to somebody recently that leadership is not a God to which we bow down. It's a gift by which we serve. I was speaking to the people this morning when we reminded ourselves that we thank Jesus that he counted us worthy to use us in the ministry. And sometimes um, that phrase has been used to say some people are in the ministry and some people aren't. But it's frankly, it's just the word doulos. And many modern translations translate it properly because it, it's that God's counted as faithful to be called to his service. Service may never be on the platform. It may not be a gift. It may not be profiling. It may not be in the band. But serving the Lord that God's counted as faithful to bring service to him. Whoever wants to be great must be a servant. One of the passions of Arena Mansfield is that everything we do would be rooted in a servant heart. If ever we get out of that, then we're going wrong. Friends, if ever the front gets out of serving with a servant heart, please tell us, because we want to do it with a spirit of service. Finally, am I belonging? Am I belonging? 1 Corinthians 12 says that the body is one, but it's made up of many, many members. Do we belong? It may be to this church, but it needs to be to a church. And we love the church in general. We pray for it. And not only belonging to it, but as Terry Eckersley reminded us recently, to be planted in the house. Because it's those that are planted in the house that will flourish. To be established and to be contributing. To be consistent. To be in season and out of season. To be there when it's great and to be there when perhaps we're going through a season where we've just got to press through. But am I belonging? I want to say it, friends, without any sense of equivocation, we'll never flourish if we don't belong. I've seen people try it. I've seen people try and flourish and refuse to belong to a house refuse to commit to a body, refuse to belong to others, and they never flourish. And sometimes, friends, they really sort of miss it massively. Am I belonging? We're going to continually call people to a place of belonging. We want people to belong. If you're here tonight and you don't belong, find a place to belong. If it's us, that's great. If it's somewhere else, that's great. But belong somewhere. Be planted somewhere. Call back your home. Then you will flourish God's made us for relationship he's made us so that we might be safe to serve to love and to be loved so Arena Mansfield we absolutely want an outward focus we really do, it's going to grow it's going to develop, it's going to find a greater colour, it's going to be people rising up, it's going to be people that will join us people that have a passion and just keep praying into it keep praying into it Because God's going to do some amazing things. He really is. He's going to use this building without any, as a a real hub to reach out. There's so many things potentially that can take place. And we realize that we want to move from potential to the possible. And God's going to help us. So we absolutely want to keep reaching out. We want to keep believing 
for those that haven't yet come. We want to give an opportunity for everybody in this area to hear clearly the good news message of Jesus. We want to call people to faith. We want to believe that people will be changed. And we thank God that God's doing that. And he's doing that in this day. We want more and more and more. But I suggest tonight that in that journey of an outward focus, we must run it parallel with an inward pursuit. We must take heed to ourselves. Because they've got to come to something. They've got to come to something that's worth belonging to. They've got to come to something that's full of life and vitality and passion and revelation. And that works best, friends, when the people have already committed themselves to Jesus, whether it's a few weeks, a few months, whether it be a young person or an older person, whether you feel you know a lot about the Bible or a little, we'll do what Paul told those leaders to do in that church all those years ago. And that is that we take heed to ourselves. Let's pray.